Welcome to Terminal Value. So everything I do here at Terminal Value is based around one big question, and that is how do growth-oriented people transform their business and their life to achieve world-class levels of value in everything they do? That is the question, and I am here to bring you the answers. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is Terminal Value. I publish new podcast episodes five times per week. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any content. And also make sure to follow me on social. You can just look for the Doug Utberg handle. Please comment and let me know your thoughts. I'm looking forward to working together so that we can make your life amazing. We have Susan Saravo with us today, and we are going to be talking about the secrets to confidently communicating in the post-COVID era. And by post-COVID era, what I mean is this era where you can't depend on actually being around people, so you have to be able to confidently communicate when you're talking into a camera which is really weird for some people, but it's the new reality that we're all dealing with. So, but anyway, uh, let me stop talking for a moment and introduce Susan. Susan, please tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Hi, Doug. Thanks for having me. I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I started out as a TV journalist. Uh-huh. I was a reporter and an anchor and a producer. So my focus then was gathering information and then turning around quickly on camera, on mm-hmm. TV, And that was very nerve wracking for a long time, but I worked really hard to get over my fears of getting out there and having my face and my name in front of a lot of people all the time. Then I moved into the uh, PR and marketing area where I started to help others doing media training and helping others to get their name out there. And now I help people specifically be on camera, whether it's a speaking engagement, a presentation, even just a high stakes Zoom meeting or creating content for social media, really any time where you need to be in front of an audience. And that could be an audience of one if it's a really important meeting, or it could be an audience of hundreds. Yeah. Well, and because like one of the things that I was kind of thinking about is because my background is in the corporate space, but, you know, especially coming into the entrepreneurial realm is webinars. Yes. Webinars. You know, if you have a really good webinar and you're willing to put some money into promoting it, you can have hundreds to thousands of people on a weekly webinar. And depending on what you're promoting, that could result in a lot of revenue. And so the first thing I thought when I saw your name come up and I was taking a look at your profile was webinars. (laughs) I've seen so many people stumble through webinars. Yeah. And it's interesting because the same webinar, you could use that for years. So it's really worth putting in the time and effort to just knock it out of the park in that one webinar. And like you said, it could generate lots and lots of money over a long period of time. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves though. So let's back up a little bit and talk about when people are kind of getting to where they're starting to try to communicate more confidently, what is usually the primary thing that people need to either implement or overcome? Generally, it's fear of judgment or criticism, and Uh that could be from your peers, your current peers in the workplace, or or it could be maybe management, or it could be like someone from high school that might see your post and you wonder Uh what are they going to think? They're going to roll their eyes. But I always tell people you have to remember people are 
way too concerned with their own issues in their lives to be worrying about what you're putting out on social media. And even if they're rolling their eyes or they're saying, well, who does he think he is? Who cares? That person's not paying your mortgage, right? Right. So really just getting over the fear of judgment and understanding that you have a message, you have knowledge, you have expertise, and you have to get it out into the world. One of the things that I was just thinking when you were talking was one of my many favorite Grant Cardone statements, which is that one of the ways you can tell you're becoming somebody is if you have haters. You know, if you don't oh, yeah. have any haters, that means nobody's <laughs> paying attention. So, so go out and get yourself some haters. Exactly. And, you know, the more successful people get, then the more haters there are out yep. there. So you just have to be able to be, let it just roll off and pay attention to the good stuff. I also hear people say that you really want to repel the people who are not going to be your customer and then attract the ones who are. So you just can't worry about, about judgment. But I do find that confidence is a huge issue, even with posting on social media, you know, with Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, The number I've heard is it's only about 1% of LinkedIn users actually post content. The rest are just scrolling through, maybe engaging or liking, but actually creating their own content. And what a missed opportunity that is. Or tongue-in-cheekingly, I was thinking, you know, or or they have a profile with 50 friends and then they'll reach out cold and try to get you to come onto WhatsApp so they can pitch you on a crypto or Forex (laughs) team. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the crypto marketing is intense. (laughs) (laughs) All joking aside, I want to come back to one of the things that you were just saying, which is that kind of moving from content consumption to content creation. And I think in a lot of cases, that's probably one of the most useful things you can do over the long term. The key being long term, because it's not like you say, okay, I created content. All right, now I'm just going to hold out a bucket so it can rain money. It doesn't quite work like that. But but I think that shifting from a content consumer to a content creator I think it's really important on a couple of aspects. Number one, it helps to create a sense of authority around you. And then number two is it really does help you to overcome your own fear, which I think is one of the thing, main things that you've been talking about. That's true. And it's the consistency of mm-hmm. creating that content and putting it out. And whether that's a piece of content one day a week or three days a week or five days a week, just committing to doing that for a year yeah. and then seeing what happens then you're also not so concerned about any little post. Let's say you put out a post and it's kind of a flop. It's crickets. Nobody yeah. you know, seemed to engage with it. Well, don't worry about it. You got a new one coming in two days and two days after that or the next week. So you just don't really think about it. But when you look at, especially on LinkedIn, since it tells you the impressions, mm-hmm. if you look at the impressions at the end of the week or an end of the month, and you can see impressions being how many, how many times your content showed yeah. up, on someone's device yep. and you see 500, a thousand, 4,000, where else could you get your face and your name and your message in front of that many people that are potentially your customers, right? You could buy a billboard, mm-hmm. which would cost a lot of money out on a highway. And a lot of people would see it glance as they're driving by at 60 miles an hour. But how many of those people would actually be your customer and remember it, who you yeah. are and be well, able well, to click through to you directly? And I'm going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit here because I think you just, I think especially with LinkedIn, you just touched on something that I think is real important for personal branding. And so, okay, so number one is that LinkedIn, generally speaking, tends to have people who, you know, far more people who are what I call grownups, as in they are in some form of career where they have some form of decision authority. And generally speaking, usually they have their life together in some way, shape or form. 
So in other words, you know, LinkedIn is probably where you will have the highest concentration of people who would most be most likely to be paying clients for the majority of people, especially who'd be listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah. And-, and I'll add to that real quick, Doug, that it's the only real professional online networking site. It's like the only game in town for professional networking site, as opposed to the social sites where you have Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all those things to have fun and be social with your friends. For business development, LinkedIn is really it. Exactly. And so then the way that I think about it is, so for example, if you look at your post impression count, because it's really easy, go to your profile, look at, you can look at your last week, two weeks, Mm -hmm. month, whatever post impression count. So divide that by a thousand, because then that tells you, now you can start applying a CPM metric or cost per mile, which is typically what's used to price ad impressions. And then multiply that number by about $20. Because I think on LinkedIn, it's about between 18 and $25 per thousand for a post impression. So when you do that, you can say, okay, well, you know, if you get a thousand post impressions, you've just basically created about $20 worth of value. If you get 10,000 post impressions, you've just created about $200 worth of value. And it escalates up very quickly. And so I think that's actually where a lot of the value from social media is in that you can create impression value from people who are in that target client or target refer cohort. I'm just going to take a little, little tangent here. A lot of people think about their target client, but just as important as a target client is a target referral source. So somebody who knows a target client is just as valuable as possibly more valuable than somebody who would be directly writing a check to you because a good referrer can refer 5, 10, 20, 100, maybe not a thousand, but depending on who they are, if it's an affiliate, thousands upon thousands. And so I think that's kind of the mindset I think that you really want to take when you're doing social engagement, especially on something like LinkedIn. It's a very cost-effective way to get your name, profile, and content in front of people who could be either your target client or target refers. Yeah. And the way LinkedIn shows people what you've commented on Mm -hmm. and what you've liked, people who are liking your post or commenting on your post, their connections are seeing that as well. So there's a lot of value in that. And the other thing people tend to not realize is oftentimes the people who actually decide they want to work with you and do business with you Uh are the people who actually never liked or commented on your post. It's like they come out of nowhere, but they're actually not out of nowhere because they've been watching and they've been seeing and they've been seeing the consistency and they've been learning from what you've been putting out. And then one day they decide, you know what, I'm going to reach out and get something going. So that's one area. Now, Uh another area though, the people who do like and comment, maybe those are your friends or those are associates or coworkers or whatever. They're not going to be your clients. But it's important to really nurture those relationships too, because those people who have engagement with your posts, they're helping to drive it so that your posts are getting visible in front of other people. Got it. Okay. Well, I think we just had a really excellent string of conversation. One of the things that I kind of wanted to turn the conversation toward is when we're thinking about, about like, for example, effective, say, video presentation or effective Mm -hmm. video interaction, what are some of the things that you've noticed are really critical and are most easy to overlook? Because, you know, like, I think we kind of teed it up, but then we sort of went in a LinkedIn direction, which was completely (laughs) awesome, by the way, but I kind of want to get us back on course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think being really prepared is one thing that people overlook. Oftentimes, when people are going to do a presentation, 
they spend all their time working on the slides, create another graphic or change the font or, or whatever they're going to yeah. do. They spend all their time on the slides, but they don't spend much time actually working on the presentation. So I always advise people to a couple days before your presentation, just open up a Zoom call or whatever you use for video recording and give the presentation and record it and then watch it. And if you have partners that are with you mm-hmm. for the presentation, do it together. Just do a rehearsal and record it and watch it. When you watch it, you will see what you need to improve on. So yeah. it's that preparation. And then once you've already done if you have some jitters, if you're a little bit nervous, once you've already done it, recorded it, watched it, then some of those jitters go away yeah. because you feel confident you've already done it. You've already had a couple of reps in and you're ready to go. So preparation is a big part. Absolutely. And this actually reminds me of one of the exercises we used to do in Toastmasters many, many years ago, which is where we actually had a camcorder with magnetic tape. So this is all <laughs> you t- relative time frame here. And what we would do is uh, we would set up a tripod and we would do recordings of people's presentations and then we would play them back, which of course is a painful experience <laughs> when you're sitting yeah. yourself standing in front of a room and hearing your own voice. Because unless you're used to hearing your own voice, it's just, I know the first time I heard my recorded voice, I was like, God, is that how I sound? <laughs> but everybody has that has that feeling. I and yeah. I think it's, it's just something you have to get over. Yeah, it's true. So similarly, when I was an intern, I was trying to get a job as a reporter. Uh-huh. It was the same thing. We were we had camcorders back in the day. And I only had a little limited of time to work with staff photographer to shoot my stand-ups, what we yeah. call them, for to make my tape to send out to news directors. So I would practice my stand-ups at home with my camcorder and watch them so that when I had my like three minutes with the photographer to shoot it for real, then I would be ready for that. So yeah, uh, doing any little thing you can think of to get ready is important. And also just having your phone, just putting up your phone on a bookshelf and looking into it and just practice your intro for your presentation. Uh, That's something that I think is really helpful for people. Just as long as you are getting in some reps of knowing what you're going to say, because you want it to be off the cuff. You don't want to sound totally stilted like you're reading notes. Because I do see that happen sometimes where people have a presentation And they want to make sure they hit everything just right. So they have their notes and they're kind of doing their presentation, but they're kind of looking like this, you know, like that. And it's just not very engaging for the audience, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, yes. And for anybody who's younger, there was a movie, God, I can't believe how long ago it was now. I think it was 2004 called Anchorman. Where oh, Will yeah. Ferrell plays uh, the Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, will literally read anything that's on the teleprompter. Yeah, and exactly. that's actually the turning point for the show. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it immediately. It's hilarious. <laughs> Back when you were able to make movies that were actually funny. Oh, yeah. I know. That movie was hilarious. I loved it. <laughs> so, yeah. So so very good points. And then also another mistake I see people make is trying to pack too much information yeah. in a presentation. And then people just, it's like so much to process. Mm-hmm. So I would say, let's say you put everything in then start taking stuff out. And just really hit, just always be focused on what are the like three to five key points that I want people to be able to take away from this and keep it really simple. Let it breathe, go a little bit lighter. If you have 30 minutes for the presentation, prepare your slides and what you're going to say to go about 23 minutes or so. And then you have a little breathing time. And then something that I've added in recently with presentations, and and this doesn't work for everyone, but for, for some of them, it's kind of fun is saying to the audience, 
put your questions in the chat, like right from the start, as you're having questions come to mind, just put them in the chat. Mm -hmm. And then I'll try to glance over as I'm doing the presentation, take a question or two throughout the presentation, rather than having people wait until the end. What I find that it helps make the presentation a lot more interactive so that people are paying attention. Because, you know, sometimes people are multitasking, right? They have the presentation up, but they're doing email, they're checking their phone. But if you make the presentation interactive, more like a workshop, when it's appropriate, then that is definitely helpful. Got it. All right. Well, I don't want to miss the one thought I wanted to communicate based on what you were just saying, because I was just thinking of it and I was holding because uh, you were saying really good stuff and I didn't want to interrupt. But you were talking about only making a couple of points. And one of the things that I try to do as much as I can and still need to be much better at is to remember that whenever you are, you know, kind of speaking, especially if it's a verbal auditory, that the amount of retention that people have is going to be very, very low. It's usually under 30%. It's somewhere around 20 to 30%, if that high. So what that means is that you can only count on people remembering maybe one to two things from whatever you're speaking about. So make really darn sure that you are implanting those one to two things that you want them to remember and repeat them more than once. Because again, your retention rate's not going to be that high. And you want to make sure that you are framing what people come away from your conversation with. That's a really good point. I also wanted to bring up presentations in general. I like to tell people to, now that we're in post-COVID life where a lot of people have a hybrid type work situation or working remotely, where they're not in the office with FaceTime in Uh front of their managers and that kind of thing, to look for opportunities to give presentations or what I call mini presentations. So let's say you have a call coming up to go over some a new initiative or project. I tell people to think of that as a presentation, create Uh some slides. And when you have, don't just make it like, oh, call, you know, going over your ideas, do it like, here's what I want to introduce to you. And here's why, and do it like a presentation, even if it's only five minutes or seven minutes, create opportunities for yourself to really shine, look like a leader, show up on camera and do a great job. So that's something that I think people can implement to stay visible in this uh, remote work environment we have. Got it. All right. Well, hey, Susan, this has been a wonderful conversation. Give me just one or two last thoughts and then let everybody know where they can find more, you know, your website or, uh, I mean, we talked about LinkedIn for about 10 minutes. So I, I assume your LinkedIn profile would be a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. That's where I'm the most active. My website is susansarabo.com. And then you can find me on Twitter and all social media handles where it's just, it's just my name on my social media handles. So gotcha. that, that's where people can reach me. Gotcha. Um, so just a final thought, I would say to really think of ways to become more visible. And whether that's social media, whether that's heading up events at your work, like you could be the person who organizes the volunteer events, and then you put that on social media, email that to everyone that you were the volunteer who did that. Look for ways to present information. Just think of how you can become more visible in front of your customers, your prospects, your managers, There's a lot of ways to do that with all the technology we have, and it just takes getting started. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, hey, Susan, really, really appreciate your time today. It was a great conversation. Thanks so much, Doug. Take care. You too. Hey, thanks for watching to the end of the video. There's just a couple of things that I need from you right now. 
Number one is I need you to subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and turn notifications on. That way you will know every time I publish new content. Number two, comment. Share your thoughts. I want to know what you did and didn't like. What should I make next? And number three, share this with your friends. Go on to Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever you uh, you hang out socially, and then post a link to this video and let people know what you liked about it and make sure to tag me. And then what I would also like to do is I would like to offer you the most incredible free gift ever. And this is related to my business where I help other businesses reduce their contract related costs. If you are a decision maker in a business, then I want to talk with you to see about how we can address your contract costs and drive savings. If you know somebody who is a business decision maker, then I would like you to help me get in contact with them. And in exchange, I am going to give you a absolutely free vacation at one of 30 places across the United States with no obligation and no timeshare pitch. Uh, the value of this, again, depending on how much savings we achieve, can literally be between thousands and millions. So anyway, just hit the button below for the most incredible free gift ever. Make sure to subscribe, share, and comment, and watch the next video because I'll be at you with more.